Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We've got some interesting stuff, as we always do. But uh, Sundance yeah. Film Festival has moved into town, along with Acura being the sponsor <laughs> here, we've noticed. I posted a picture yeah. on our Twitter of that uh, NSX perched up there, and I'm, I'm liking the signature, those front headlight signature things. Mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. liking that. that. I mean, it's old and news, I, and but... I posted a- Okay. I posted a picture of the fact that they're now selling cell phone chargers and selfie sticks in random stores on Main Street. So, yes, Sundance is here, (laughs) and apparently to enjoy Sundance in 2016, you must have a selfie stick. That's the big news. Here's my my public service announcement. No, you do not need a selfie stick. You need a friend. Okay, folks? (laughs) We should film an entire episode with just selfie sticks. All the cars, everything. Yeah. Well, you've heard about you've, you've heard funny. about some of the small town news agencies that are doing that. They're sending out their their news folks on oh, remotes of with they are. iPhones and selfie sticks, and of that's course. now your, gone. Are the days with the remote truck with the big antenna on the roof and a whole other person to shoot you? No, no, no. Now it's just you standing there. You climbed out of your Prius, probably. You're standing there with a selfie stick <laughs> and an iPhone, and you're calling yourself news. I mean, that that shocks me, but it's happening. Your job hasn't been replaced by robots. It's been replaced by selfie sticks. It's been wow. Re- it's been replaced by a reformatted golf club. <laughs> That's how much we liked your job. That's just wow. sad. Anyway. Reporters yeah. and selfie uh-huh. sticks. All right. Well, anyway, um, so that happened. But uh, mm-hmm. on the car debates today, we have uh, some U.S. <laughs> military people, and we are, we, we are choosing cars for them. Huge thanks for their service Really huge yeah, shout out. Uh, definitely. Really intriguing. I, I picked these for a reason too. I was looking through all of our stack of emails here and I found both these guys and I thought, all right, one's an active duty Marine out in Eastern North Carolina and the other is about to exit the military. He doesn't say what, mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. Uh, what branch, but what branch, yeah. But both needs were different, very wildly different because very, you might think, yeah. oh, military guys. different suggestions. You might think yeah. military guys, and you're thinking, oh, they need a big four-wheel drive or a truck or something like that to, I don't know, carry whatever. But that's not the case. They're very yeah. refined choices, and this is really mm-hmm. intriguing. So I'm looking forward to that. And the second debate is uh, Carl. So he's about to exit the military. He's out in eastern Kansas. And, yeah, Mark and uh, Carl. Yeah, it's very, very good gosh. pairing. I'm glad you, glad you paired these up. So and, different. you know, here's the thing, guys. You, get, you are sending us so many good car debates right now. Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. You're sending us a ton Thank you. Again, I'm going to say it. I say it all the time, but it's true. We're scanning and reading all of them, and then we're putting them into groups. So we might not get to yours because we honestly are getting more than we can cover, but you're giving us fantastic stuff to work with. So please don't stop. Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. Yep. And also, we are still posting on – this is a Monday night we're recording. Most of the time we record on either Sunday or Monday for the Tuesday that you're listening. And we are uh, mentioning on our Facebook page exclusively, we're saying, hey, send us your questions. So we got some good Q&As we want to cover from there. We'll cover that tonight as well. But that actually leads us into one of the Q&As related to the FRS. So we decided we would talk a little bit about both our cars because you may have heard Paul was talking before about issues with his Jeep. 
Yeah. And I have FRS yeah. updates, but but what's the deal with your screen, man? Well, I took it to the dealer. So uh, it's been one week, and yeah, like you said, we podcasted on that Monday night, and then my dealership appointment was Tuesday. Took mm-hmm. it in, and... <laughs> Uh, the, the guy kind of gave me the hairy eyeball. Your, your screen did what now? Yeah. And yeah. so he said, all right, and plugged in his instant we've OBD. We've never heard of that. That's not supposed to happen. Seriously, that that's fine. exactly what he said. Uh-huh. I'm like, uh, we've, we've never heard of that. And I, I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself in the back of my mind, well, the internet has. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you have Wi-Fi, right? You've, you've heard of Google. Anyway, guys know on, about yeah. the internet. Anyway, I, uh, <laughs> talked to this guy and he said, all right, well, we'll take a look. And I was there for an alignment and for oil change and other service. So I combined it into one. I was there yeah. most of the day in the dealership and, uh, about three o'clock calls me in. They're done with the car and they had to do they had to do some surgery on this thing. He said, yeah, we couldn't get this Uconnect screen to boot. And yep. somehow with yep. a sledgehammer and Tinkerbell's magic fairy dust, they got it to boot and Something. got it to work. And he said, all right, it, it boots and it works. And our techs got it to work, but we're just going to go ahead and order you a brand new screen. And I thought, "Wow, uh-oh, what wow. is okay? Yeah. So since then, I've been driving it for the last week, and it's been yeah. fine. Every time huh. I started the car... Huh. Cold weather, whatever, started right up. The screen boots. It gives me everything. The car's been operating normally now. So they reset something. They also did some other electronic updates, some firmware updates around the car for the transmission and some other stuff. But uh, they did this update, and it's been working fine. But ultimately, they decided, you know what? Just to be on the safe side, we're going to go ahead and order this new thing. They said, we don't even open the guts of this thing. We just unplug it, slide the new unit in, plug everything yeah. up, good to go. So, okay. <laughs> Pull the entire box. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, hey, open heart they're surgery. defending you. They're um, defending you. And, and, yeah. and, you know, I think to some degree I can see that their, their tactic, that being the last thing we're going to do is essentially hack into the computer. We're just going to give you an entirely new box. And I'm Hopefully fine that with new that. box is bigger, better, and awesome. I just, yeah, interesting. You yeah. know, I think about what about folks without the warranty? Because my car is obviously still under yeah. massive warranty, so it doesn't cost me a dime. Yeah. But I'm thinking, okay, what about folks? That's a $1,000 unit or more, I think. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're just being on the safe side, which is great. I'm happy to have the service. They're doing a great job. But, wow, okay, hope doesn't happen to anybody else and i hope the new screen is full of all the new 2016 updates but we'll just we'll see i, I <laughs> yeah. don't know i yeah, really yeah. don't know but that's where we're at so it's working for now but i'm getting a new screen anyway so good okay interesting yeah i think it's fascinating that they've not only got got it working but you're still on the docket for heart surgery so uh, yeah okay. all right yeah there we go well then there's stuff happening with the frs as well i know we have threatened forever we're going to tune the frs and i posted a picture of our parts the parts are in for this to begin and a couple people asked hey wait a minute why are you guys covering tuned cars so to catch those of you up it's because this is our first long-term car and we figure there is no better you know tuner discussion car right now than the frs brz so yes we are going to tune it uh just because we haven't covered that before so let's get into all of that we have new friends at the FT86 Speed Factory. Thomas over there got in contact with us, and they are kind of sponsoring the car, partnering with us on ideas. I mean, look, I have this car. I love this car. Paul has his days. He likes it, and Daisy doesn't. <laughs> but the point is, we have this. As you know, we've tracked it and drifted it and all this kind of stuff. We want to cover the tuning process. So, so Thomas called us. We had a really good conversation about just their background because, of course, they do these cars, so they know a lot more about it than we do. 
And I, my initial comment, Paul and I kind of sat together and, and went, okay, how do we want to tackle this? My initial comment relates to something that we had a Facebook question about tonight. Joshua said, are you going to turbo the FRS? And if mm-hmm. so, are you worried that will change the car's character? So I want to talk about what we plan to do and where we are. Because the first thing we said to Thomas is, all right, we want to do two stages. First off, we want to tune it without any forced induction and see if we can address that thing everybody talks about, me included, and that is that torque dip around 3,500 to 4,500 in the, in the RPM band. There's a torque dip, which means for the first time ever, everyday driver is going to talk about the dyno and the torque curve. And here we're going to show it to you. Uh, the, sorry, that's going to happen. Uh, you, can, you, you can tune it out if you feel like you've this, seen too much of that, good. but we are going to cover it on this car. Yeah, exactly. But, but we have our first <clears throat> round of parts in, and that is just stuff without forced induction. So it's a new header. It's uh, and a full exhaust. So that's what we've gotten in. So full exhaust, mufflers, and everything. Got some from gigantic the guys boxes there. in your in your garage, just waiting. I got three huge boxes. Cool. My wife said, "What is going on?" Yeah, yeah. It was, she, she, she said, "I knew you were getting stuff in, but this is huge stuff." And I was like, "Well, it's essentially the entire running length of the car in metal has arrived." So we've got to put that on soon. That, that'll be a very cool, very cool uh, video we're going to do on that. If you need stuff for your FRS BRZ, of course, we recommend you talk to those guys. They're at FT86 Speed Factory. Uh, hopefully, they have some way for you to tell them that we sent you. So uh, we'll get working on that as well to hopefully clarify that too. But that we're glad cool. to have that stuff in. You realize we've talked uh, about you've kind of joined the the legions of guys and folks who listen to the podcast, whose wives also ask them. Now, what's all this then? What's what, exactly. what did you order? Oh, yeah. What credit card did yeah. you hide that on? <laughs> well, exactly, you... <laughs> exactly. Did, we, we don't have this room in the garage now. Ranks. <laughs> yeah, now it's either the car or the parts. But anyway, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, so <laughs> just realize that. But we have talked about doing. Yeah, we have talked about doing some forced induction on this car as well. Uh, will we do it? How long from now? I mean, come on. I just got first round of parts in, so let's go easy. But I will say this. I actually don't have any interest. In, talk to Joshua's question. I don't have any interest in turboing the FRS. I would be interested in doing supercharger, but not turbo. And that is entirely because of the way the car feels naturally and its its natural aspiration throttle response. I mean, in spite of that torque dip, I don't want to introduce any turbo lag into the power delivery of this car. So I'm intrigued by doing uh, some supercharging, maybe, but turbos, I'm just not interested. Mm-hmm. I can see that. You know, I, I let's start with these parts, as you and I have talked about. Let's start mm-hmm. with these and measure. You know, we're, we're going to get our hands on a dyno and before and after. And I, mm-hmm. I'm definitely, really definitely. curious, especially about this torque dip you keep talking about. I keep thinking you're having yeah. a party well, and inviting us over for the Super Bowl party with some sort of dip. What? What are you talking about? Oh, very nice. torque dip. Well, but here's... But here's the thing. You know, here's the other thing we've talked about a little bit, and that is keep in mind also, folks, we're, we're up at 6,500 feet, so we're more than a mile high. Okay? Rough calculations on this car suggest that that probably means it's running about 150, 160 horsepower. Woohoo! So, you know, I'm sure. enjoying the car at a major power reduction from what anybody thinks is acceptable in a modern car. I'm still passing people. It does still happen. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see what happened. And look, I'm not going to claim I know I bought these parts and here's what's going to happen. No, that's the whole point of the test. Let's put them on. Let's see what it does. Let's see what it does for drivability. Mm-hmm. And obviously that stuff we're going to feel right here in the middle of the winter. It's not like it's something we can't do until springtime either. We can do it soon and we're going to. I can see because of the altitude, I can see his question about turboing the car and getting forced induction. Yeah, I mean, then you're going to drop it to sea level or better. I mean, you're cram and air in the engine and you know boost is boost so i i can see yeah, that for, for those reasons but you know i take your point too and and i'm very curious it's going to be fun to actually 
wrench on this a little bit and, you know, just kind of yeah. take it apart and get to know it better. Just agreed. You agreed. learn so much. You know, I, I started wrenching, gosh, a while back on my 928. I was doing my own oil changes because the Porsche dealer sees you coming and they think their third <laughs> house payment is already taken care of for the month. But that's why I started yeah. doing my own oil changes. And it just, you got to know the car and you, you definitely, you just, I, I don't know, it's like this weird man and machine bond and you just kind of feel more in tune with your own car but it's it's cool i'm, I'm gonna be yeah, uh, excited about that well you know uh chance hales our videographer slash photographer world-class production work from this guy he's uh part of the everyday driver team and he also sent us a question about cold starting and wanted to touch on that just briefly because this has been oh, yeah. mm -hmm. seemingly going around in the news uh he's right i've actually read a few articles here and there i think jalopnik posted one and uh, a few others, just about cold starting your car in the winter. Of course, the East Coast is buried under blizzard conditions right now. And a lot of people mm -hmm. asking, is it okay to warm up my car? Should I let it warm up? Should I go ahead and drive it immediately after starting? Well, All those kinds of classic, questions for cold weather. It's the classic YouTube thing. Let us educate you on the thing you never knew was the, was the case. And uh, and here's here's clickbait 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 you know I mean it's it's uh, oh, yeah it, it is but, that. but but it is but it is valid right now you're right because pretty much the entire country apparently is covered in snow according to what I keep reading again more clickbait but uh, <laughs> yeah so let's talk about that a little bit that was his that was his question for us that came out of the Q and A's I mean obviously chance is close to us already but let's uh, that's that seems appropriate let's do it well I uh, been looking into that reading various articles and just based on what I know modern cars are mm -hmm. fine with driving it instantly because they warm up so quickly. And the biggest thing is they're fuel injected. And part of the article Agreed. in Jalopnik referenced this, the warming up your car part originated from 30 plus years ago when cars were carbureted and needed to warm up. They didn't have modern fuel injection. And the whole point of the article mm -hmm. was when your car isn't warm, the computer can't really get the mixture right. And so it might be over or under adding fuel into the cylinder when there's not enough oil circulation going on yet. So you could be causing some damage. I can't imagine it's really that much. Modern cars are really, you know, unless you're scoring the cylinder liners, they'll pretty much be fine. But because they are fuel injected, you want to get the car warm instantly for the same reason you can just turn on the air conditioner while you're going 60 miles an hour. It doesn't matter. You know, it's just fine. Cars are made to do that at driving at any speed. I mean, manufacturers know this. And so the, the computer is now controlling the mixture. I mean, I think back to my, yeah. you know, flying yeah. the airplane with my dad. He would control the mixture and lean it out or richen it out. And that's what the computer is doing for you. But it's got to be warm to do that. It's got to get up to operating temperature very quickly to be able to so do I'm that. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a smidge confused. Because on, uh, yeah, we're, on fuel we're still talking you would think it's instant. <laughs> oh, you. Well, th thanks. Thanks for that. No, no, no. I didn't <laughs> think you'd completely left me. But are you saying you think people should or not? I think they should. Cars are just fine. Oh, okay. They should get in their cars, start it up, and immediately start driving. And the benefit is, okay. you're going to warm the engine faster. The biggest thing, what I saw, some of those articles did not include was, when your engine is under load, it will warm up more quickly. And by load, meaning moving. It's got to move the mm. weight of you and the vehicle and whatever's in it. When the engine is under load, it's going to do more work. Work expended is expended in heat, which warms up your car faster. So your car is going to get warm faster. You're going to be happier faster. And the biggest side note that I thought about is uh, a Park City 
uh, I believe it's a law here in the city about idling cars and people are getting yeah. ticketed for idling yeah, cars. Yeah, not fond of that. Yeah, and, you're right. You're and right. Uh, and that's just for, you know, getting out of your car, running to the store, whatever. And I do mm-hmm, see it around. Mm-hmm. That's more for an emissions kind of an issue, which, you know, I can understand. But it, it doesn't hurt your car to stop, start the engine. I mean, car manufacturers are, are putting that very feature yeah, now, on them. Now all cars have start, stop. Exactly right. Well, you know, I didn't really expect this, but uh, I am going to say I'm going to kind of disagree with you. Uh <laughs> Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, twofold. Look, I I completely take and agree with your point about the technology of it all. Yes, now that we have fuel injection, this is not what it used to be. It's not start an old carbureted car and hear it stumble and kick and all this kind of stuff because it's just not working. We have gone past that era. And yes, you could get into your car, start it, and drive it instantly. But my addendum is going to be, and yes, you're also right on the whole admissions deal. That's the thing. Start your car, let it run for 15 minutes. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're just <laughs> yeah. now idling for no real for reason. For no reason, yeah. Okay? If you're a person that you have remote start because you want to get the car warm when you get in and you're still in a restaurant, I see that. I don't know that that's necessary either, but okay. But I will say this. I would say it does depend on temperature. If you're a person, then your car, and, and last night it was 30 degrees out. It was cold, but start your car and go. Last night it was zero degrees out. I'm talking Fahrenheit now. Last night it was zero degrees out. It was negative 10 out. I don't think you should start your car and go. And I say that just because of my experience with the Sabaru. That car did not like that. If I I started the Sabaru, and and I will say this, where are you parking? I mean, I'll give you a great example. My garage right now, on a cold night, my garage might get down to 35. Okay, it's cold, but... I don't feel bad about starting the FRS and giving it just a second while I put my phone down and get myself settled and am I buckled in and now it's time to go and I'm ready. I'm not waiting on it. But the Sabaru, it took a while for that engine block to heat up. And when it gets cold, and I, originally when I got that car, I parked it outside. I remember that. When it gets really cold, cars, I don't care if fuel injected or not, is now irrelevant. That oil is now sludge. It may as well yeah, be, you know, yeah. molasses you put in your fridge. I mean, that... Try to pour that out. Best of luck to you. That's what you've got down there. Oil is the vital lifeblood of your engine. So unless you have an engine block heater, and I did not on the Saab, unless you have an engine block heater, that negative 15, that's now the oil's temperature. And so getting it kicked off, getting it started, you've got to give it a minute for everything to just kind of loosen up and oil. And I don't want to load the car while it's doing that. Sure. So I am going to say it depends on how extreme a temperature you're dealing with. If you're a person that it was 30 degrees last night, move on. If it was bitterly cold and negatives in front of that number, I think you need to give it a little bit. I'm not saying give it 15 minutes, but I'm saying let it start, let it settle. Because I also had situations where because of the way the – power steering line was where it was and how Mm -hmm. it worked in that car right if i didn't let it heat up a little bit power steering was useless in that car it almost felt like it was fighting me really so i would start it let it run for two or three minutes and let everything just kind of oh okay we've got an operating temperature starting up a little bit exactly and then i would take it so i think you've got it you do have to listen to your car if you start it and it's and stuff is sluggish like that be aware and think about your actual temperature just because it's winter don't think you have to run your car for 15 minutes. But if it's if you're in somewhere terribly cold, I do say still give it a minute or two. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, we can caveat this back and forth. You you have a great point. And now that I think about it, my Jeep key fob has the remote start built in. You push twice and the does. horn yeah. honks and the Jeep starts and you can leave mm-hmm. it running. And it's for that exact reason. It's because 
yeah, it does need to get oil thrown up in the engine. You do have to have some lubrication, and it's got to get around the engine before you take off and go, but for, for really cold kinds of things. and Most I'm, people's situation gosh. is not going to be cold enough for that to be an issue, but, but there are those of you out there where that is an issue. If your car is parked outside and it's bitter cold... If you're in a garage, start your car, go. Let's go. You know Gosh, what I mean? that but reminds anyway, me. You're going to have to really think about your situation. My dad told me a story one time about bush pilots in Alaska in the 1920s, and they would sleep with the oil out of the engine. They would land wherever they're on oh, the sure. frigid backcountry, drain the oil out of the, out of the motor, mm. and they'd mm. sleep with it. You know, their body heat would keep it warm. You know, very crude engine block heater, and then they'd pour it back in the engine in the morning and take <laughs> off and go. I just I couldn't believe well, that story, but they did what they had to do, and you know, yeah, you got to keep the oil warm, and and uh, it's, that know, was their life. Every, every week, every week here on Everyday Driver, we're going to share an Alaskan bush pilot story from the 1920s. <laughs> That's going to be a new section. It's going to be every single week, so count on it here. That's going to be key. Just wait till we get to the fabric wing section. You're going to love wow. that. Can we can we do a car debate, please? <laughs> I guess. Oh so. dear lord. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about Mark. He's our active duty Marine friend in uh, eastern North Carolina, and uh, he wrote to us and has said that he really appreciates the show, has been following for a while, and a lot of the cars he's owned, he's owned because of the show. Wow, that's cool to hear. That is cool. Um, he's had a, a G35, uh, the X, the, the all wheel drive G35 Infinity, a C350, an E46 M3, and a 9969-11. There's some cool cars there, man. He is, uh, he's, but he's an active duty Marine, and he's gone a lot. And he's now decided, um, I just want a GT car. I want something I can just drive and hang out in. He's got some big drives happening now where he's got to drive from North Carolina to D.C. and some NYC stuff. So he needs a long-term road trip car, a GT car. He's got twenty-five grand, So he's kind of restricting us from the just hyper-fun stuff, focus stuff. He is. It's a good place to start. He is. Yeah. Mark, I like your list. He's written in with the cars that he's looking at right now. And he's got Audi A5, Jag XF. A G37 Coupe, the Cadillac ATS from 2012, that BMW mm-hmm. 550i with that lovely V8, and another Q5, mm-hmm. Audi Q5, which is the small SUV. I'm curious as to why you have yeah, that you're on there. Into the little but, five five door five seat five, five door SUVs there, yeah. But that XF, yeah, Mark, yeah. I'm wondering why you have that on there. It is nice, and I'm sure it's going to be fine. I'm just curious what, as to why that intrigues you. So given mm-hmm. that, and your budget is 25000 so I'm looking around, and mm-hmm. you have loads of options at twenty five grand for sure. I, I kind of went more the four-door, and you're right. I, I took the back road, the track duty, all that kind of stuff that we usually talk about. I took that out of the equation because clearly he's yeah, saying – clear not what he needs. It's the car needs. is yeah. parked a lot because he's, last, he's just said he was gone 14 out of the last 20 months. So the yeah, car is man. parked which means probably battery tender might be a good idea. But then Possibly, also, yeah, yeah. he's just looking, he's got to get around the East Coast. And I'm thinking, well, the East Coast is snowed in right now. It has weather. And just mm-hmm. cruising, mm-hmm. sitting in traffic. He's got to be comfortable. So I I thought of this baller car that I think you're going to dig. I, I went and looked okay. it up. All right. My, okay. my usual suspects here were that uh, blacktop edition charger that you and I drove from hmm. uh, 2013? Was that a 2013? Yeah, yeah, a while back. Yep. We just we came away going, wow, that we're really impressed by just the livability of this car. It's huge and comfortable and with a V6 mm-hmm. actually pretty fast. It's I decent. Thought, yeah, it's decent. It's decent. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a it's not going to throw down car, but that's a major long long road trip car for sure, yeah. No, it, yeah, you're right. And then I thought, well, okay, you can get 
an E350 Mercedes-Benz for that price. You could get an Audi S4, get a Lexus GS. And then I thought of it. Then Uh-oh. it popped into my head. Mark, I think I have your car, buddy. I think you okay. should go look at the Audi A8. From 08 to 2010, there's a load of them for 25 and under with mm, 50, 60, 70,000 miles. And mm-hmm, that car mm-hmm. is comfortable. It's all-wheel drive. It's a baller car. Yes, yeah, there's caveats yeah. about maintenance and the, you know, it being a luxury car. However, yeah, definitely. I, I'm just, I think you'd be really happy with that thing. I, yeah, it's, it's, so a, it's a throwdown car. It really is. It's, it's a so look, look at what I'm driving car. You're right. And, and it would be, it's, it's, a, it's a drivable living room. And I mean that actually as a compliment in this sense. <laughs> it is. It's everything you could ever need in a car. And you could road trip across the world. And if you didn't stop for fuel and to pee, you'd just keep going. It, yeah, I, I agree with that. The, the, and, and I'm a huge fan of the A8 for that. You're right. The question here is what's your service going to be like? I mean, I've seen plenty of those cars for sale used. They've been livery cars, hundreds of thousands of miles, and they've right. run well. Right. So, I mean, you can do that. But, of course, you're talking about a German luxury car that was 100 grand new. When you have to get something done on it, you have to be in that headspace. If I have a $100,000 German automobile, what is this going to cost me? Not I put my Honda Accord in and they're trying to gouge me. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a luxury German automobile. But I love that you brought that up because, yeah, it puts it into a shocking depreciation standpoint. I actually had the A6 on my list because he's got an A5 on here. And I thought, look, we like the A5. In fact, the A5 is one of those rare German cars that in base form, I think, is still really great. A lot of German cars in the base form, I'm like, really? Do we want to spend this much? The A5, I actually think, is really even great in the, in the base option. But I kind of feel like if you're going GT car, you're talking about needing people in the back seat sometimes. Let's just get into four doors. Let's get out of coupes. And I'm a guy that loves coupes, obviously. But let's yeah. get out of coupes. I okay. go, okay, instead of A5, go A6. And I think you've got a lot of options in A6s. And it's almost, you know, it is the little brother to the A8 in all the, all the greatest ways. You could get a little bit less expensive, uh, probably maintenance. I suspect. I mean, it's going to depend, but and almost all the bells and whistles, and probably have lots of options in A6s. I, that was on my list. I got a couple others, but that was on there for sure. Okay, I'm curious to hear them because we're talking about at 25 grand. We're talking about a very fine line and finding the good car because we talk about depreciation a lot. Go take advantage mm-hmm. of the luxury cars that have depreciated. On the other hand, they're luxury cars that have depreciated. And yeah, yeah, you know, as, yeah. as you say, when you take it for service, it's still an expensive car to maintain. But then you paid a lot less for it, and it still might be a nice yeah, where car. Where is that? Mm-hmm. Look at this: yeah. an 07 with the 4.2 V8, 58,000 miles, white on tan Audi A8 for twenty-two thousand dollars. Shocking how those That's cars like drop. That's like right I mean, on the fine just... line. Is it? Well, it's just shocking how they drop. They dropped yeah, off a cliff, yeah, yeah. and I think mm-hmm. oh my they gosh. always do. And you know what? The high miles, uh, I mean, putting a lot of miles on it wouldn't scare me at all. Just, you know, keep on top of the maintenance. But in here, you know, with 60,000 miles, that's really nothing for the the German cars. Well, and that that 4.2 liter V8 that Audi made, that's a great engine. It's a great great engine engine in anything they put it in. Comfortable, power, everything, just comfortable. And I like that you're looking for that, Mark, because I, you know, with all these other choices here, he's... He's enthusiastic about the Porsches. He likes the 911. He's had one. He's had uh-huh. the M3. He's yeah, and enjoyed done it. the yeah. driving, and he's thinking, you know what? I just don't think it's my style anymore. 
what can I do? Well, he's thinking about he's you know, thinking about cruising. six hour drives one way. He's thinking about that's what he's writing about here. I've got him on six hour yeah. plus drives. Yeah. What do I roll in? Okay, I get that. That changes the equation. That made me bring up a couple. I th- I thought you know what if you're going to worry at all about weather, if you want to you know you want to have something that feels like it's a little bit hot underneath the skin. What about a Subaru Legacy GT? Subaru Legacy GT. Really? Remember the, the, the one that we drove? We drove that Spec B. The Go spec find B. yourself a Spec B. Really? Yeah. Okay. Go find one of those. I mean, look, it's, it's a little bit more toward, because you've said here you don't want Evos, STIs, FRSs. I get that. But this is like the grown-up version of that. Hmm. Four doors, worthwhile seats, all-wheel drive if everything goes to hell on weather, which obviously right now is appropriate. So you've got that. You can go to any major city with any kind of weather. You've got that. But it actually is a decent performance car. If you decided, I realize this is not what we're talking about, but if you decided, I want to make it a little bit faster. Come on, the Subarus are Legos. What do you want to do to that? You sure. know, What do you want to Endless do to parts. change? Exactly. What do you want to do to change your GT? I think that's an option. I mean, that's my most kind of hair-on-fire option. But I still, I wouldn't mind cruising along in a Subaru GT, uh, Legacy GT. I think it'd be great. That'd Spec be fine. Would give you stick shift. If you wanted to kind of walk that line of I am an enthusiast, but I want to cruise, I think it walks that line. It does. The A8 is let's cruise, and I totally get that. So in the let's, let's cruise category, I had two others. Okay. All right. That I don't think I've recommended either one before. One, the Acura TL. This is an overlooked luxury car. It really is. The TL doesn't necessarily mean doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's going to be something where you love the look of it. Some people like it, some people don't. But you can get that in that super handling all-wheel drive, which I guarantee you is a better handling car than you think. Even in front-wheel drive, it's decent. But Good the, the Acuras, like they this. run. Uh-huh. They're very reliable. They've got every bell and whistle you can imagine, and they actually handle pretty great. I would happily cross country in one of those cars. And if the road was windy or whatever, I'd be fine with it because that car can handle it. So I think the TL should be looked at. That's you can decent. find, I think, a much better car than you think going with an Acura TL. And then my last one is okay, you're a Marine, let's get you some attitude. You've had some attitude cars. What about a Challenger? The most engine you can afford, mm. go get yourself a Challenger. That car is not agile. I'm not going to pretend that it's agile. Okay? It's not. It's not. Things but you're that not are not asking agile. For that. My house. But you're not asking for that. And the thing about it is, it is, <laughs> it has just unbelievable amount of hangout room. It just big old seats, great hangout room. Now, I'm back into a coupe body style. Those back seats aren't great, obviously, because the front seats are so huge. <laughs> but if you could get, you know, for, huh. for your money, if you could get a Challenger with a decent Good old V8 in it. Hopefully you can get away from the V6. You know what? That car, it's got great attitude sitting still. It's It just eats up miles because of just everything about the ride and everything. That is a very different animal than my other choices. I've got very different choices here tonight. But Those are, I think that Challenger wow. is, is if you want some attitude, look at that Challenger for sure. I think it would do what you need. Hmm. Those are interesting. Those are, those are very... Uh... Opposite ends of the spectrum kinds of things. I, I wouldn't have seen that because well, the TL is one sort of mindset. The Challenger is, is an entirely is. different car. It's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the interior is kind of boring on the Subaru. I can see it, but it's just kind of, eh. No, I, I agree would keep with me that. from no, buying it, that no, car. Interior-wise, um, based on his background, I think it's the least, it's the least match of, of in that regard. I think it's easily overlooked, unfortunately, which is why I bring it up. But that's what brought me to the TL. I was like, talk about overlooked. 
The TL That's is true. a much better luxury car than you think, and twenty five grand, go get one of those. You could get a pretty but nice I don't one know, for twenty five grand. You know that? Yeah. the the un, The unknown thing with Mar- with Marcus here is is the unknown thing here is that he's he hasn't been clear, even though he's doing six hour drives. That tells me a lot. Big six hour cruise drive tells me a lot. But I haven't. I don't understand for sure how much he's considering the interior a deciding factor. Because looking at his list, I mean, the A5, the Jaguar, these have got nice interiors. The G37 BMW? Coupe and the A... But the G37 Coupe and the ATS, do you love those interiors? I, it depends on who you are. So, well, you know, I... Better than the Subi, but yeah, you know. Yeah, so so I don't know how much interior is, is a, a tipping point. I also don't know how much technology is a tipping point. So that's why my, my options are so varied here. But, uh, Marcus, hopefully that helps you. Because that's the thing, Twenty five grand. And you mainly need a road trip car. You've got lots of good options, and uh, hopefully that helps. I yeah, those are good good choices. I like that. All right, on to the next car debate, and this is from Carl. He's about to exit the military, and right up front before we do Carl's debate here, he also wrote to us on the Facebook page here, and I just uh-huh. wanted to say this because I, I had this great idea uh, for you, Carl. He asks on the on the page here. He says, "Which classic convertible would you choose?" Triumph Spitfire, MG Midget, or a Fiat Spider? And to that, Carl, I say neither. I say the tri- or the uh, Sunbeam Tiger with a V8 engine. That's the there car. You go. That's the car I would choose right there. So, and you know, uh, and you know which classic I would I would choose of that group? Yes, I do. The, <laughs> none, none of them. The the none the NA Miata. That, that I would go oh, with NA Miata. Really? Because because at this point it's classic too. Come on, it's 25 years old. 25 Let's get that years. and call it a day. Yikes, anyway, yeah. You're but right. I, yeah, I do like I do like your Sunbeam Beam Tiger idea though. That is that is a great, great That's just the that the That's melt funny. the rear tires little car from yeah. yeah. You have, you haven't left the driveway and you got to replace your tires already. But hey, it's fun. <laughs> the neighbors like love those. you. Neighbors love you. Anyway, They're but yeah, cool. thanks Carl for also writing in on the Q&As on Facebook, but you're you're writing and saying you're headed out of the military. And by the way, you sent us a list of the cars you and your wife have owned. And I have to applaud you right now <laughs> yeah. for variety. Honestly, I mean, we've got, I mean, here's the kind of things we're talking about. An Isuzu Rodeo, who owns one of those? Well, Carl's had one. Uh, seriously, uh, a Toyota 4x4, fantastic. That there's Those feel like they're related. Yeah. But then two d- different versions of the Mitsubishi Eclipse, a Spider and a non-Spider, a Montero, a Dodge Ram Rumblebee, but then Mazda RX-7. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> when you Porsche... have <laughs> Chevy Cavalier, Isuzu Rodeo, and Porsches and Lotuses on yeah. the same list of car ownership. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's got a Jetta. You're he's open. got. He's had a Tiguan, you know a Cayenne, open. a Cayman, <laughs> a Lotus Elise, a Land Rover Discovery. I mean, the the range here is spectacular, Carl. So that's what I, th- I love about it because once you give us your your situation here, which is okay, you've got about fifty grand, maybe fifty five, and you're so giving us our our range. I realize. We could recommend anything. I mean, you're up for it, which is cool. That's what's great about this. DeLorean, thank you very much, Carl. All right, thanks for writing. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs> Can you get a vector for 55 grand? Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Nice. Well, this is Go great. Go find because, a vector. Uh, moving on. Yeah. This is great because his wife also has a, a Porsche Cayenne diesel, and your wife has a Cayenne. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. The, the gals like the Cayennes, and I mean, who doesn't? Apparently. Awesome. Hey, Porsche knows this. Porsche survives <laughs> as a result of this. But yeah, well, she so, has a uh, diesel, and she's, she's thinking about, she's got over 60,000 miles on it, and she's thinking, okay, she wants to get into something new and something different. And so she's come to him and said, Lexus RC, and he kind of stopped and went, wait, um, you, know, you know that's, that's small, right? 
Well, look, so, I mean, they've owned four by fours. They've owned uh-huh. all kinds of size cars. So I guess it's kind of shocking, but not that much shocking. I mean, you've got yeah. RX-7. Yeah, yeah. That's like a three-quarter sized car. It me. is. It's almost, it's, it's, it's like an 80% it's scale automobile. It's those are, those are tiny. I mean, yeah. come on. Well, yeah, she's... And, and and saying that Carl's six four, so it's not like we're 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 buying cars for small people anyway. Right. So yeah, very interesting. Right. I I like that she's approached you with interest, but here's the twist that we're talking about in this debate. She likes the size of those small cars, but she's worried about only being a two seater. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I'm trying to figure that out. I mean, is it kids or just taking other people places or there's somewhere there's some need that she's thinking of that might crop up that she needs more than two seats. Okay, so she suggested the the Lexus RC. Okay, cool. She, uh, no, Carl suggested actually 911 because that's the Porsche with the back seats. But same kind of <laughs> concerns. It's a little bit smaller. And they've got a good budget to work with here. Uh, good budget to work with it. You mentioned the very top end being 55000 yeah. And you know, Carl, I'm going to probably push that to 60K because we're here to spend your Shocking. money. <clears throat> Shocking. I've got a list. There's a, there's another twist in here too, and that is service, because mm-hmm. they're in eastern Kansas, and it looks like the dealership for servicing the Porsche is a two-hour drive. So that means a major town. Mm-hmm. Just like, well, you know, my dad lives up Alaska. Pretty much, just Ford, Chevy, or Ram, because those are really the mm-hmm. only dealerships. Yes, Anchorage has a BMW dealership, but if you're out in the sticks and you're far from a town. It's American cars. So I broke my... And apparently my you're choices. sleeping with your oil, too, if that's the situation. And you're but sleeping with your oil out in the country. Yeah. I, I, that's, uh-huh. Don't write to me about that one anyway. Um, <laughs> so thinking this through, I thought, all right, they're, they're probably near some American car dealerships. Sure. Maybe not sure. as much as the European or the Japanese. So I divided my mm-hmm. choices list into two. I thought... American, okay, and then everything else I could think of that they'd probably enjoy based on their laundry list of Asian, European, of range, yeah, American. There's such a great range here, yeah, yeah. Gosh, quite the list. Uh, mm-hmm. So I divided into into both, so American choices and everything else, and I've got a lot, but I I okay. also have the car I think they should get. I, I do I need to schedule more time to get through this? Do I do I need to do I need to back off? Where are we at? Is this going to take a while? This is I, the three hour <laughs> podcast. We're going to three hours. Did you didn't you know that? Exactly. This one comes in volumes. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, go on. Sorry. Uh, let's see. So I thought. Okay, she's worried about back seats. Everything I thought about has back seats. Fortunately, mm-hmm. for the American cars, uh, I thought of the brand new Camaro because at fifty five k you can go get yourself a new Camaro. It is smaller. We have not driven it. But I'm hearing good mm. things about it. And I thought, all right. Hearing well, nothing but good things about it, yeah, in fact. Yeah. I am yet to come across anybody that's driven it that doesn't think it's a vast improvement and a really impressive car. So, okay, all right, looking forward to getting it for ourselves. But, that, yeah, that car is getting really good reviews. It's getting great reviews. And my biggest criticism with the prior generation was it just didn't need to be that big. It's just yeah. acres of sheet metal, and it reminded me of cars from the 70s, <laughs> like the OPEC era, and just, you know, when the yeah. guys making the cars would weld soda cans into the inside of the door just to piss people off. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast. But uh, It is. It totally acres of sheet metal. I'm already lost. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just, it was too big. So I thought, okay, Camaro, the new one is smaller, svelte, nimbler, more compact. It's still a big car, 
but it's American yeah, it is, and it's yeah. got back seats. Mm-hmm. So does a Mustang for that matter. Sure. I mean, sure. if yeah, you're yeah. looking for a sporty two door ish kind of thing, Mustang or Camaro, easily serviced. And now that I think about it, from uh, from the last debate here for uh, from Mark, uh, that mm-hmm. Challenger I suppose could fit in there too. Um, yeah, but I don't feel like that's dynamic enough for what she wants. I mean, look, not that the Cayenne no. diesel is light, light on its feet, but she's clearly wanting to go from a Cayenne to something nimbler and more sports car-like. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the Challenger doesn't get that done, personally. But probably anyway, keep going. Not, probably not. Um, I hate to... I hate to recommend cars based on what dealership is in your town. I mean, that's no I do too. way to buy that's, a that's car. That's a tough one. That, yeah, I agree. That's tough. I but, mean, uh, there is some, there's some convenience there. It's, it's a real thing. But, you know, I have to say, honestly, if we're worried about dealers, you've, you brought up the Lexus RC350. One of the number one reasons, and I say this my mother-in-law is this dynamic, by the way. One of the main reasons a lot of people like Lexus is because the dealer service is so great. I have to think if you're going to have to go out of town to get your Porsche serviced, you probably are for your Lexus too. So I don't know that you yeah. gain anything there. Yeah, I feel and 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 honestly, one of the things that puts a lot of people right over the edge on Lexus is the great service experience. So you're now going to be taking the one of the things that is a benefit of the Lexus brand out of the equation if you get it serviced locally. And I also feel like. Could you get anybody locally? Is there a German dealer, I mean, a German, like, independent mechanic that could work on your Porsche and do that kind of stuff without you driving to the dealer? I don't know where you're going to be. You're talking about Kansas. I don't know specifically where. But I don't. I think you have the same service problem with the Lexus that you do with the Porsche. Either of those cars mm. could be serviced anywhere. You're just not going to have a dealer on your doorstep with either of those cars, I don't think. Well, I guess the question for Carl and his wife is, how close is the DeLorean dealership? Or for that matter, the Vector dealership. I mean, do you have The Vector those dealership in- is the key one to think about. <laughs> do you have those in your town? Because if you do, They've we've got, got a car Because, you know, you. Vector's got dealers everywhere. <laughs> They're yeah, everywhere. Anyway. They're scattered everywhere. You oh, can't man. swing a dead cat without hitting one. Anyway, so uh, Sorry, all yeah. the rest... Um, that would be, well, maybe I'll just whittle this down. Because I was going, you know, BMW <laughs> 3 Series is is similar, uh, similar fun dynamics to that Lexus RC, and it's about the same size. But then I yeah. thought, all right, they've had European cars. I don't see any BMWs mm-hmm. on the list anywhere. True. You True. and I yeah. love that BMW M235i. It's compact. It's a brand yeah. new car. Yeah. For 55K, mm-hmm. you'll have money left over. And yeah. if you're, well, you know, maybe there's an independent BMW shop close. But that car, I think, would hit all the buttons except for the dealership. I, I think the dealership one is the hardest part to, to yeah. again, I don't want to suggest a car that just well, because and, you've got and we such don't and such know specifically where and what dealers are around. And we also don't know right. if we're talking about independent German mechanics. I mean, that's a whole other question on all of these equations. I mean, you can take your Porsche, your BMW to anyone to get typical stuff done. Okay. That's not like they look at it and go, I'm not going to work on that. It's an oil change for God's sakes, get under the car. So, I mean, that is possible, but if you want to start getting, is this a trained mechanic for my German automobile? Yeah. I don't know where you have to go, but I don't know where you are either. So that's, that's really the landmine here that I almost feel like I have to ignore. Armed with a laptop and an OBD device. You know, and they can just plug it in and <laughs> we'll look, we'll look it up on YouTube. You. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll look it up on YouTube. What could possibly go wrong? I don't know. I want to speak to that that Lexus RC three fifty real quick because you know we just drove the RCF in one of our uh, one of our fast blasts. Yeah, right. And you know, honestly, I don't see that car as being any easier in your service situation uh, than the nine eleven. 
And if you're really thinking about a 911, and, and, and well, let me put it another way. If the RC350 is big enough, then the 911 is too, honestly. So, and dynamically, you will like the 911 more than the Lexus RC. And the Lexus RC oh, yeah. is actually pretty good. It's just the 911 <laughs> is going to feel better, especially considering sure, you have sure. Porsche history. I think if you're if it's down to those two cars, if you're really looking at the Lexus RC or or the 911, I think you've got to go 911. I, I hate to just ring the Porsche bell here, but I think with your history, that's the car you're going to find more rewarding if it's big enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it is. Mm-hmm. You've kind of gone back and forth in your email about whether or not that's even big enough. But you don't gain any space in that Lexus RC over that 911, an and the 911 you would enjoy more. That the Porsche 911 is a gigantic boat in comparison yes, to that but thing. She's, Yes, but she's coming out of a Cayenne. This is the thing. We're trying oh, to figure out, no. is it enough room for her downsizing into a sports car? So I think you don't – the Lexus just doesn't have any points over the Porsche, I don't feel like, with the possible exception of you may have a dealer in your area. So, yeah, I think that's I, – I, I say nine, 997 Porsche 911 over the Lexus personally. Hmm. But, sorry, hmm. keep going. I like that. I mean, I that's ha- – I have, I have a couple others, but keep going. Oh, you do? I, I, I thought of the Lexus IS – that was a good car. It's about the same size. Mm-hmm. It's got back seats. Mm-hmm. Audi S3, yes. Golf R, Volvo S60. That's kind of an overlooked one. But I, I think you're hitting it as far as driving dynamics, and I'm sticking on my M235i because you will have you know, money I do left. like that. It's two-door, back seat, still big enough, not too small, not too big. It just it fits the... I've got M2s on the brain, all right? Let's just face it. I know, I know you have the M2 on the brain and the M235i. Hey, watch our review of that versus the S3. We liked the Audi S3, but not yep. as much as that Beamer. Yeah. And you are, you are bringing up an interesting point. With all the cars they've owned, there's no BMW. There's even Audi. So you know, yeah. that is a good way to get you into something you haven't experienced. Definitely drive that car, I agree. You mentioned the Golf R. I think that's a real option here. Yeah. Because yeah. you maintain that nice German interior build quality and feel that you that your wife's come to like. Let's be honest. She likes that in the Cayenne. <laughs> yeah, You've had a lot to. of German cars. You maintain that feel, but yet that car has a shocking amount of room. The, gar- the Golf chassis in general is one of those chassis. It's almost as good as a Honda Fit where you get it and you go, where did all this space come from? <laughs> they do a really good job in that Golf. I don't think it would be a situation where you'd ever feel like we need more room. If you're wanting to downsize a bit, that Golf, I think, would do really well for you. And then I have to say it because I feel like it's the elephant in the room. What about a Macan? I mean, I realize the minute you buy a new one, they're seventy grand. But, look, they've been out a little bit now. You can probably find a used one. A Macan is the smaller Cayenne. It just is. And, you know, Uh. it has much more car-like dynamics I think I've got to bring it up. If the concern is I want a Porsche that's smaller, but I don't want – hello, Macan. That's what it exists for. I think it's got to be said. I'm kicking myself under the table. I'm making Porsche yummy noises over here. I think that's Easy. it. Easy. This is, this is a family podcast. It is. But 55K, they're not getting into a Macan. Not new. And used, they're not still new. holding their value. That's the problem. I love that suggestion. But 55, okay, 60. We're spending their money. But um, still, you're going to have to work hard finding one for that price. But I love that suggestion because that is the, that's the dynamic. I bet you that's – oh, man. Um, you might have to change your budget, Carl, honestly, because I like that so much. Wow. Yeah, I'm digging I mean, it. I'm looking here real quickly. I'm just seeing I'm, – and I'm doing that's the, the world's fastest, dirtiest – I'm doing the world's fastest, dirtiest search here right now, but – I'm seeing ones for, I mean, granted, plenty for 80, but here's one for 56, here's one for 58, 
It's uh, doable. And it's that's doable. just the we're S, talking ones with right? We're talking, yeah, yeah, we're talking the S, but the S has got 300 horsepower, and it's turbocharged. You're not going to be driving the S going, this is so boring. It's not going to happen. Man, this is sluggish. So yeah. with, with 55, 60 grand, you legitimately could find yourself a Macan. So considering where you are right now, it's worth driving. It absolutely is. Dig that. Yeah, that's the suggestion. I don't think we've ever recommended Macan on the show before, have we? Don't know. Don't know, but uh, we. Hey, I mean, they're they've got enough Porsche lineage in their in their car listing here. I think it has to come up. I hate to to do backstrokes with you in the pool of Porsche, but I think that's just wow. Kind of what we I'm I'm blown away. And see, I told you, just because both these folks are military people, they're not lo- just looking for pickup trucks and jeeps and the big off road kind of four wheel drive. Well, because that's the stereotype, but, it, yeah. but obviously that's not the situation. Ever. It's yeah, not yeah. at all. That's why I love both of these. Um, so we've given you some really cool options here. And uh, Mark, we're spending Carl. money. We're just spending your money. <laughs> we're spending just, your just, money. Yeah. Thank you so much for writing. Give us your and, budget. Um, we'll ask for 10 grand more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just keep that in mind when writing to the show. We're, we're it's just, it's just money. It's just money. Who um, cares? Clearly, we have loads of it, and we think you do, too. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. Anyway, <laughs> here's, a, here's a segue I, for you. Um, the M235i okay. that I suggested is uh, one yes. that we drove in the Pilgrimage film. So if you have not seen the Pilgrimage film, I've got a Nicely load of done. them. I've got a stack of Nicely all three. Done. We can ship those to you pronto. And I've got a stack. You can also get it on Vimeo. So you can get either all three movies or just go look for that Pilgrimage film. Watch the trailer. I think you're going to like it. Well, you're, you're bringing up a good Order point, that. though. The thing that I have been really pleased to see with the Pilgrimage film, and thank you guys that have watched it, and please do leave your review when you have, but it's people are finding one of the three now. Now that we have three deep, people are finding one of the three that is their kind of entrance into, oh, I didn't know these guys made feature films, mm. and then they're deciding which one's next, and I'm thrilled to see that. So remember, we've got 50 years of 9-11 as well. Nobody else did that Comparo of 911s. So if you want to see the first 50 years discussed, the changes in that car, that is that mid-engines of mountains, the Alpha 4C, the Porsche Cayman, the Lotus Elise on some of the best-looking roads in California, some of the best in the U.S., frankly. I mean, like spaghetti laid on a mountain. Some really cool driving in that one. So, yeah, any of those films, we obviously have them on Vimeo, and Paul does have a closet full of Blu-rays, so we can send those out to you as well. And once you've watched them, please rate them. Please share them because you guys are doing that, and that's awesome. Also, please rate and share the podcast. We're hanging out in the automotive top ten. Thanks entirely to you guys and your really good reviews. So please keep doing that and sharing that as well. Thanks a million, guys, for listening. We really appreciate it. Hope you have a great week. Looking forward to talking to you next. And uh, until then, cheers and uh, looking forward to it. Thank you, guys. (laughs) 